Someone sent me a funny video this week. I get lots of funny videos. It's amazing how much Facebook and the internet has unlocked things that you now see that you probably never would have seen or even probably cared to see at another time. But now that we have Facebook, you see it all the time. And someone sent me a funny video, and it was of a Japanese television show. Now, I don't know if you have ever seen any of the stuff that is on Japanese TV, but just by watching the videos that I see, they have one of the strangest sense of humor of any people that I can understand. Their, their idea of entertainment is a little different probably than ours, and their sense of humor is, is quite a bit different than ours. And on this video, uh, what they had done is, is most of their videos, what, what their popular game shows are is more like a candid camera on steroids. If you've ever seen some of the stuff they do, they, they hide cameras and they play practical jokes on people. And in playing practical jokes, they scare the daylights out of people or they, they do crazy things that you would never imagine springing on people just to see their reaction. It's like people watching to the extreme. And that's what this video was. And what they had done is uh, they had gone into a hospital and they had taken the newborn ward, uh, the observation area of a newborn hospital hospital and they had taken all of the cribs and taken all the babies out and they had placed adults with their faces in the cribs and the baby's bodies below them. And so it was just like a normal nursery and they'd taken and they had all these adult faces in every crib and the nurses were walking around like everything was okay and you know it was just this normal thing. Well the premise was somebody would come and he would stand outside the glass and, and he would go and people would come by and you could tell he was bragging about his baby and so it was right there on the front row and he would drag these people over and point and look and you know and there's this 50 year old man's face you know grinning up and, and you know little baby's legs and they had the legs would move and the arms would move and, and you know and you would see the reaction of these people they would look and and they would kind of you see the shock over their face and they would kind of look at the whole nursery and they would look at each one of these babies that they were all adults and the strangest thing to me is that most of them, probably nine out of 10 of the people that he brought over there didn't say anything. They acted like it was normal. And I guess that's just the kindness or the culture of the Japanese. But, you know, they, they were, had a mic and I was just having to read the subtitles. But they were, oh, he's so precious. And, and, you know, you should be proud. And they're smiling and grinning. And you can see when they walk away that they're shocked. And uh, as I watch that video, I have to tell you, God convicted me and uh, not convicted me because I was laughing at those people. I think sometimes it's okay to laugh. Uh, but he convicted me because we've been studying in Ephesians about spiritual growth and Paul encouraging us to grow spiritually. And as I was watching that video and I got through watching it and I watched it a second time because I couldn't read it all so fast and I was trying to read what some of the people were saying. And as I was watching it, I thought for a moment, I wonder if when God looks down at the church... If spiritually, that's not what he sees. If he looks at our spiritual maturity in the church, when he looks at us and he looks across the churches, if what he doesn't see is a bunch of old spiritual toddlers, a bunch of old spiritual infants, spiritual stunted babies that haven't grown. And, and what got me even more is I wonder if many of us are like those others that come along and out of kindness and worry of not offending someone we just don't say anything anymore that's just church like normal today we just have decided that it's okay 
That's what it's going to be. That's the best that it gets. Paul tells the church made up of the Jewish people, the Hebrews, this in Hebrews chapter 5 from the Message Bible. He says, I have a lot more to say about this. And he's talking about Jesus being a high priest. He said, but it's hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. By this time, you ought to be teachers yourself. But yet I hear, find myself needing to sit down and go over the basics of God again with you, starting at square one, baby's milk. When you should have been on solid food a long time ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. So come on. Let's begin to learn to leave the finger-painting exercises of Christ and get on with the artwork that is God. It's time we grow up in Christ, he says. The basic fundamental truths are in place. You know about those things. Turning your back on salvation by help and turning and trusting towards God, baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. He said, you got those things. But God helping us, we stay true to all that. There's so much more. And isn't it time we get on with it? See, Paul's been telling us over and over in our study in the book of Ephesians that as believers, we have a responsibility to grow in Jesus Christ. We are called to grow. We, part of that new nature, when we experience that new birth, in Jesus Christ, when we become Christ followers, that's why it's called being born again. And being born again, once you are born again, then you begin to grow new like Christ. But the problem for many believers is they've gotten to a place in their Christian growth, in their Christian process, and they decided that that's just enough. But you see, you need to understand that in Christian maturity and spiritual growth, there is no neutral. There is no time out. There is no park where you can say, this is enough. I'm just going to stop here. I got all I need. Because you see, as a Christian, you're either growing up or you're growing apart from God. Because you see, life moves on. Things don't stay the same. And you can't stay, oh, well, I just like where I am with Jesus right now, so I'm just going to stay right here and not grow anymore. Because all of life keeps moving, and life's experiences keep moving. And by you deciding that you're just going to stay still, you're actually falling behind. And I worry that in our churches, we are filled with spiritually immature believers a couple of weeks ago, we read in Ephesians chapter 4 that it's the pastor's responsibility. It said the pastor's role. God gives the church pastors, shepherd teachers to teach and to equip believers to grow and serve. But growth and maturity are your requirement. It requires an effort. You have to decide that you're going to do it. To, to use Paul's illustration here from the book of Hebrews, it's time that many of us stop satisfying ourselves on milk and move to the deeper truths now why is that important because you will never understand all that god has for you you'll never understand all the richness of the faith and we're about to learn how it can change your life if you would ever make a commitment to grow now spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your age doesn't have anything to do with how long you've been in church. Doesn't have anything to do with how well you can quote the Bible. Doesn't have anything to do with what church you grew up in or if your parents took you to church. You see, spiritual maturity is about your intimate relationship with God. 
It's about your walk with Christ. It's about you experiencing grace and love and faith and mercy and in turn letting those influence your life. And the question for us is, am I growing in my relationship to Christ every day? Will tomorrow I know Jesus more intimate than I did today? Do I know him more intimate today than I did a year ago or a month ago or 10 years ago? Think about how long you've been a spiritual believer. I've been a Christian 40 years. I wonder if my spiritual maturity matches up with my spiritual age. Because you see, in real life, when your maturity level doesn't match up with your age, what are you called? Immature. Right? All of us, guys especially, you've been called immature, right? And Paul calls it spiritual immaturity. Paul says that, that we are not walking the way God has called us to walk. We are spiritually immature. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I said that the church was turning into a spiritual neverland. Just like the lost boys, we've had our experience with God, and we want to fly away to experience adventures, and we don't want to grow up want everything to be fun we want everything to be entertaining we want to be uh you know have adventures we don't want toughness we don't want difficulties we don't want the struggles we want to go over and just enjoy what we have and 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 i and I, as i thought about it, i thought you know really in reality i don't know that there's anybody in church today that says i don't want to grow up you know, the lost boy says, I don't want to grow up, right? Not me. And, you know, they sang the whole song. I don't think that's where we are in church. I don't think anybody leaves here on Sunday saying, I'm not going to grow up. I don't want to grow spiritually. I think we all have a desire. I think every Sunday we walk out or, or Wednesdays or during your prayer time or your small group, you say, man, I want to grow more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. The problem is we're not willing to commit to do what it takes to get there. Just like everybody on January 1st decides that they're going to have a better diet and they're going to lose weight and they're going to love people better this year and they're going to do all these things. It's not a matter of making resolutions, it's keeping resolutions. And it's not a matter of desiring to grow spiritually, it's a matter of you making the commitment that it takes to grow. So people don't want to walk the path of spiritual growth. Because see, to be honest with you, we want it quick. See, we want, preacher, you give it to me. I want it by osmosis. Do I come and sit in the pew? Do I grow? Do I get it? It doesn't happen that way. To be honest, as I said, spiritual growth happens during some of the most difficult times in our life. During suffering. When we face dilemmas. When we face mountains. When we face our struggles in life. That's when we grow closer to God. Why? Because that's when we learn to depend on him. That's when we learn about ourselves. That's when we learn about more about God than we ever imagined. Because you see, you see a lot more of God when it's dark outside. Than you do when it's light. And I want to ask you this morning. Are you growing spiritually? Look back on the last month, the last year, the last 10 years where you have grown to know Christ more. See, Paul calls this spiritual immaturity. You want to know what it looks like? The dictionary defines immaturity as words like fickle and gullible and instable and selfish and unavailable. You want to know what spiritual immaturity is? Add, those, add spiritual to each of those terms. Someone that is spiritually immature is spiritually fickle. Spiritually gullible, spiritually unstable, spiritually selfish, spiritually unavailable. 
And in the context of what Paul is telling us, a community, a body of Christ that is filled with immature, not growing believers will never be unified. Why? Because one of the first signs of immaturity is selfishness. And a selfish body will not grow. Because we all want it our way. We don't want to sacrifice. See, Paul, in the context of unity here in Ephesians 4, is trying to tell us the only way that we'll really be unified is when we begin to grow as believers, when we begin to mature as believers. One of the marks of maturity is putting others first. You want to see teamwork? Go down and look at the toddler room. See how well they play together. See how well you can get them all working on the same project. They may do it for a few minutes and they're gone. I mean, it's tough to get teenagers to all do stuff together and agree together. Adults don't even do it. And that's what happens in the church when we are not growing and we are not seeking maturity. Now, now let me say this. A, a healthy church is not all mature Christians. Because to be all mature Christians as opposed to all toddler Christians is like going from the spiritual nursery to the spiritual nursing home. You see, the diversity of a church that is healthy has people at all levels. You have newborns, you have new Christians, and you have toddlers, those that are learning the riches of Christ, and you have children that are just learning how to feed themselves and how to be independent, and you have teenagers as Christians that are are going out and trying to do what God is telling them to do and and failing some and, and succeeding some. Then you have adults that are encouraging and helping teach and lead and guide all the way. You have to have every person every level so paul is trying to tell us that for us to grow for us to be the church that he is calling us to we have to seek to grow in christ every day i want you to listen to the passage we've been studying through ephesians chapter four i want you to listen this picks up where we left off two weeks ago chapter four verse 11 i think it's in your order of service for he has given some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body in Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Mature, attaining to the fullness. Then, what does it look like when we're not mature? We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead of being tossed to and fro and being bought into false teaching and led by other people that aren't following God, instead we will speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So you hear the terms there? Builds up, becoming mature, attaining gaining grow up grow and build all action words all indicative that you and i are called to grow now now let me just give you from the passage there quickly a couple of benefits for growing spiritually that he lined out say pastor why should i grow spiritually well besides the intimate relationship with jesus christ that's a given you grow more intimate with him the benefits of that that it benefits us in the church and and i just want to give you a couple that he points out so that you can ask yourself if you're growing are you experiencing these things the first thing is spiritual stability see when you're growing your walk with god becomes more stable says toss to and fro 
So many Christian believers walk is, is made up of these huge highs, these spiritual mountains, and then all of a sudden these deep valleys, and then we're back on a spiritual mountain, and it's made up of a bunch of stops and starts, and this week I'm going to do it, next week I'm not, and this week I'm going to commit, next week I'm not. That's not what the Christian life is supposed to be. It's not about big highs and deep lows and starts and stops and ups and downs. It's about steady moving with God. Steadily going upwards, following Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to have speed bumps, and you're going to have divots, and you're going to have times that you fail, but those times are not so high and so low when you're growing in maturity. Why? Because you recognize in all of this that God's in control. And you see, the more you trust that God's in control, the more stable your walk becomes. You don't have the huge fallouts. You don't drop out of church for six months and then come back and get all committed and then drop out for six months. And you don't put your Bible up and not read. It's steady. You have hiccups, but it's steady. Are you tired of ups and downs and starts and stops? You're tired of highs and lows and bottoming out and wishing and woulda, coulda, shouldas? Seek Christ with everything you have. Commit yourself to growing. See, when you're spiritually stable, you know what you get? You learn to say no to temptation. Now, you don't overcome all temptation, but part of maturity is learning to say no, right? When your kids get older, they learn to say no to things because they are maturing. They don't give in to everything. They don't give in to to all the the stuff out there that is tempting them. They learn that that some things are more important. They learn that that God can get them through. So as you're growing, you learn to say no. You also learn discernment. He says that you don't buy in to everything that's out there. You see, young believers, immature believers are the most susceptible believers that are out there because you're hungry. When a baby is hungry, he doesn't look and see what's being put in his mouth. He doesn't know whether or not it's milk or not. He just trusts whoever is feeding him. And there are so many false teachers out there. And I'm not talking about heresy. I'm just talking about people that will tie you into legalism, that people that will cloud your walk with God, make it so much harder than it's supposed to be. There are those out there that are building their own kingdoms at the expense of God's kingdom that want you to follow them. And and so people start following other people and they start following movements. Hey, maybe this is cool. I want to go chase that. You see, when you're growing in Christ, you're not chasing people or movements. You're chasing Jesus. And you begin to know truth from error. Why do you think it is that people like Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses prey on Christians? Because they know that probably seven out of ten homes that they go to that's a Christian home will have people that aren't mature believers. And they can go in and smile and say, look, we, we love Jesus and we use the Bible, but we use another Bible too. See, they don't come in and knock on your door and say, hey, excuse me, can I talk to you? You know, we believe a lot like you do, except we believe not that Jesus was the Savior. He was just a good man on earth to help us follow God and follow what God wants and one day if you can follow Jesus's example and you can get married and you have a lot of kids and one day you can go to your own planet and populate your own planet and be your own Adam and Eve with your wife and uh, that's the hope that's yours they don't say that when they knock at your door so we love Jesus 
And so many people get sucked in. And before it's, man, they love the family. And so we get sucked in. You turn on the TV and just because somebody says God or Jesus or has a Bible in their hand doesn't make it Christian. Listen, we need more shepherds in, in the pulpit that are willing to swing their staffs around. Because there are a lot of wolves that are preying on the sheep. A lot of immature believers that are getting fed, not milk, that are getting fed poison. See, growth will help you learn right from wrong. Growth will help you be able to say no. Spiritual stability. Could you use some of that in your life, a little stability? Not only that, spiritual stability. The second thing, the benefit of growing is spiritual renewal. The more you grow closer to God, the more you become renewed in your passion and faith. See, the more you trust him, when you step out and trust him, and all of a sudden he answers your prayer, all of a sudden he begins to do what you've asked him to do, you trust him more. And you get more excited. See, growth begets growth in Christianity because the moment that you start trusting him, listen, you can come in here and and you can get goosebumps because we sang a song, and, and that's okay. But those goosebumps are going to be gone. And you'll get the same goosebumps when you, you know, taste a good piece of pizza or, you know, a good dessert. And you go, ooh, that was good, right? That's not the Holy Spirit. You want spiritual renewal? You want spiritual awakening? You want to experience God in a new and fresh way every day? Then learn to feed yourself. And all of a sudden, the Bible starts coming alive. And those words that you'd read a hundred times before mean something different. Do you remember when you were a kid and you read something? I remember in high school, we had to read Shakespeare. And everybody in high school has to read Shakespeare. And I was your typical high school student. I read it because I had to read it. I got the cliff notes. We had cliff notes in my day. It condensed it all. It told you what it said. So I knew it didn't mean anything to me. And then the the older I got and the more mature I got and I began to read, I went back and started reading some of those plays. Man, this is unbelievable what he's saying here, the picture that he's painting and the language that he's using. It's so beautiful. Why did I not see that when I was 16? Because I wasn't mature enough to see it. And when you grow in Christ, all of a sudden things that you read before start speaking right to you. And you're like, why didn't I see that before? Because you weren't ready for it. And you'll never be ready for it as long as you're not seeking God and growing. Spiritual renewal. See, when you start being renewed in Christ, you you experience real joy. Not happiness. Happiness is based on your circumstances or situation. Joy is based on God. You'll start being content. You see, maturity is recognizing that you're happy with what you got. Remember that time when your kids, if your kids have gotten there yet, when your kids get to that place, that they're just happy with what they have? Some of you that got toddlers and young, you, you, you're looking at me like, really, that happens? It does, Some, somewhere down the road. Because you know Christmas for most of you that have toddlers and infants, they're opening their present, but they're looking at brother and sister stuff to see what they got, Right? How come they got something better than I got? I want to play with that. I want that. That's immaturity. But you see, when you start growing up, you start recognizing that what I got is enough. I don't need anything else. I am content. And spiritually, you do the same thing. Spiritual renewal. Spiritual stability. And then the last thing that he points out here is spiritual linkage. 
He says there in verse 16 that you are linked like, like ligaments tied together in the body. You see, when you start growing in Christ, you start recognizing that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. And church becomes something more than what you do on Sunday morning at 930. The church becomes part of your body. It becomes part of your family. Not just who you go and sit beside. Not just who you call when you need prayer requests. It it becomes something more important. Something worth fighting for. Something that that is bigger. Because you see, when you start maturing, you start recognizing that you are part of something bigger than yourself. And you realize that you're linked together, that you are connected, that you are committed. So let me ask you again, how's your spiritual growth? What's it look like? Paul is encouraging all of us to grow, not just because of what it benefits us, because of how it benefits those around us. Because you see, as you grow, other people grow with you. And as you grow, your kids will grow and your spouse will grow. And your, your friends around you will begin to grow. And those that are walking in your footsteps will begin to grow. See, God is calling us to spiritual growth. You, you wonder why you're not seeing the power of God in your life. It's because you've settled. You wonder why you're not growing the way you need to. You've settled. So how can you grow? There's a million ways that you can grow. Let me just give you three real easy ones. Probably selfishly, they're, they're our purpose statement here at our church. You want to grow spiritually, the first thing you need to do is you need to find a place where you can believe, a place that teaches the whole counsel of God. A place that isn't just going to preach what's popular or what's comfortable or what's politically correct was going to preach from start to finish the power of the Word of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Find a place where you can go and trust what's being taught and know that it's going to encourage you, know that it's going to challenge you. You need to find a place where you can go and they are not just going to feed you, they are going to challenge you to to eat and challenge you to go out and feed yourself. You're going to leave hungry. You ever left church wanting more? That's what you need. As I told you before, I'm not the meal. I'm the chips and salsa. When you come in on Sunday, what I hope to do is put the chips and salsa in front of you and you're supposed to enjoy it. But if you get full on chips and salsa, you miss the great food. And what I hope is you enjoy that so much that you can't wait to go and feed yourself the real meal. Find a place where you can believe. Find a place where you can belong. A community. A place where you can tie together, where you can grow together and encourage one another. Be accountable and be in small groups and and look across the room at somebody and have a connection. Raise your kids together and your teenagers together and love Christ and pull each other along. Where you're going to be accountable to one another, where you, you can't just slip away. People are going to be there to lift you up. You want to go in Christ. Find a place that you can believe, a place that you can become or that you can uh, be committed to, belong. And then last thing, a place that you can become. What does that mean? That means a place that you can serve. You see, what Paul is trying to tell us is the greatest way to grow is by doing. The quickest way to grow spiritually is by serving. Because when you begin to serve, all of a sudden you can't help but grow. 
And God is calling us to service. A place where you can use your gifts and use your talents. You see, a healthy church is made up of people of all degrees, all levels, all encouraging and growing, all being blessed, all moving up, spiritually mature. And I just got to tell you, when we examine ourselves, so many of us would see that we're not where we need to be. We're not where we need to be, but the question is not, do we need to grow really this morning? The question is, are we committed to doing what it takes to growing? You're tired of being tossed to and fro, tired of your life being ups and downs, starts and stops. How about some consistency? If you are growing this morning, if this didn't mean anything more than encourage you, if you said, man, Rusty, I I know Jesus more today than I did yesterday, and I'm excited about knowing you more tomorrow, then the question for you this morning is, what are you doing to help other people grow? You see, I really believe God is doing something in and through this body. That's not just preacher talk. It's not ministerially speaking. I know people say God's doing something new at First Baptist Blowing Rock. That's not just a catchphrase. I, I believe it with all my heart. God is rebuilding this body from the ground up. His place, his purpose, his people. And my hope and prayer is that he builds us into a place where you can, you can believe, a place where you can become, a place where you can belong, where you can grow spiritually and grow community and face stability. But to do that, it's going to take all kinds of people. To do that, it means we need you. And you need to recognize you need us. The very last scene of the Peter Pan movie called Hook, starring Robin Williams. Many of you may have seen it. Peter Pan is old. He's gone and rescued his family, his wife and his kids. He's fought Hook one last time, and he comes back to London, leaving Neverland. And there's Wendy. She's an old woman now. Matter of fact, she's Granny Wendy. Peter comes in from Neverland and and he's taking his clothes off and putting his serious clothes back on and Wendy looks at him and says, well, Peter, I guess it's true. You've grown up. Your adventures are over. And Robin Williams as Peter has a great line. He looks at him and says, oh no, Wendy, to live, to grow up, that truly is the greatest adventure. Paul told Timothy something very similar in the last words of his last letter. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. You see, to be spiritually mature means fighting the good fight, running the race, keeping the faith. You see, that is an awfully big adventure. Let's pray.